three, two, one. Welcome Soy Sad Fam, and if this is your first time joining us, welcome. This is our first pilot episode of our brand new podcast, the first of our new chapter for Soy San Antonio football for 2021 and beyond. But before we get started, I would like to wish you all a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, and may you all be safe from this pandemic, and may you all be with your loved ones. And with me today is my co-host, Miguel Padilla. Miguel, welcome to the beginning. That's right. This is Miguel Padilla, co-host along here with Benji Mendoza. This is our new chapter for Soy San Antonio football. Very excited. As we roll into 2021, this is the first step of many new changes as we grow our brand, not only for us, but for you. You are our family. You are our community. We will be covering San Antonio FC soccer. Of course, we have other things planned for the colleges, for high school, for lower level, and beyond. But for this one, this is our pilot episode for our brand new show, The Spur and Stripes. I love it. I love it, man. We will be covering San Antonio FC football strictly in this podcast. We will go more in-depth than we ever have before. So for the first pilot episode, of course, we are going to review the 2020 season as weird as it was. Of course, there was a lot of changes to to the season, to the league. And, of course, we're going to take a look into how the team is shaping up for 2021. So, Benji, I'm going to pass it on to you. Let's start off with the review of how San Antonio FC did in 2020. All right. So, do you want me to give you my personal opinion or do you want me to go by the book, man? Well, we keep it real here in this in this podcast. So, I definitely want you to go with how you feel, how you think, what you saw from the first game where we played the Real Monarchs, who were the defending champions at the oh, time. Yeah. And then, of course, we went into that uh, unfortunate break because of COVID. Uh, and then the restart and how the team played out in Group D along with the other teams uh, and uh, and go from there, man. So let, let me... That's where we're going to start at. All right. So this year was actually crazy. I'll be honest with you. I've enjoyed a lot of it. Um, as you said at the beginning, we were down on the sidelines doing our job as journalists and doing what we can do to bring you all the information from the pitch down there. But I'm going to straight up tell you, man, um, as the season progressed, as the pandemic came up and the country started shutting down and people were going on lockdowns, I was kind of scared to see if we were even going to have soccer. When it comes down to the handling of the pandemic, to the USL, San Antonio FC, I'm going to give them a straight up A. They did an outstanding job trying to bring people back in. There was like, I think, two or three games, Miguel, where nobody was allowed in the fan. There was nobody allowed, no one, only staff and players from each team. No media, nothing was coming in and out. And then all of a sudden, as things started getting, you know, progressing and 
you know, the curve and all these control things. They said, hey, we're going to keep some certain capacities. And San Antonio C did an outstanding job when it comes down to the pandemic. I personally enjoyed going down and sitting down on the, the benches and enjoying soccer for once as a fan. And I was giving every player so much, you know, trash on the opposite side. When it comes down to the season, man, it's bittersweet. I'm going to give it a C. Straight up, man. I'm going to give the season a C. Coach Marchena, as a coach, has his first season. I'm going to give him a B-. minus. He brought in the players. He brought us excitement. He changed the mentality. But you know what? He kept preaching about changing the philosophy, changing the identity. We look like the same old stalemate from the last three years. That was our fourth year. Now we are moving into our fifth year. So as you're quick, fast, in a hurry, what I think as to what it is and what it was, I'm going to straight up tell you, A, for handling the pandemic, C, for the season that we had, and a B- minus for the brand new coach. All right, so let's break it down into more details on how the season went. Let's put everything into context on why Benji chose the grades that he did. Yes, so we're gonna this. So we're going to start off match day one. Monarchs. For the 2020 season, Real Monarchs came in as the defending USL championships. The original schedule had them coming in first, so we knew that Alan Marchina and the Alamo City boys were in for a huge test right away to start the season. Of course, this was the thinking that we had. Of course, the schedule looked very different uh, back in January of 2020. Yeah, it was a full old schedule, man. Which we're seemed like it was ages. Over. Yeah, it was. It was, seemed like it was ages ago, January 2020. Uh, but uh, we came into that one. We had a 1-0 win on a goal, I believe, from... Joe Mon- Gallegos. No, it was Montgomery. Montgomery. I'm sorry, Montgomery. Montgomery. Yeah, it was Colin Montgomery. Montgomery. Colin right. Montgomery scored the first goal of the season in a 1-0 win. Uh, the defense looked outstanding. It Wonderful. gave It gave us a lot of hope into how 2020 was going to shape out. Of course, then that Wednesday, following the match, there was concerns for uh, for what was going on with the pandemic. Uh, we started seeing that the NBA had shut down that yes, Wednesday night. Yes. Um, NHL soon afterwards came saying that they were going to suspend their season. Uh, Major League Soccer, then I believe was the third team. Uh, MLB hadn't quite started yet, so they were still kind of up in the air on what they were going to do. And then, of course, by Thursday, I think the day that San Antonio C was supposed to fly to Colorado Springs to play the switchback, which was going to be another tough game yes, yeah. in the original schedule, um, that Thursday, the USL came said they were going to do a two week, three week moratorium. Yes. Um, at the time, hoping that this pandemic would have passed quickly or it would have been under control quickly enough to where we could have re resumed the USL uh, schedule as normal. Of course, looking back, we know what happened. The league didn't actually kick off again until ju- middle of July. Yeah, that was crazy. And it's there was crazy. a lot of change. There was a lot of change when the restart happened. Uh, the USL decided to go into groups. Um which was different from what Major League Soccer had when they started with their uh, with their tournament, which was they had all their teams in a bubble in Orlando. USL decided to go into groups where they would play. Each team would play in their own home stadium. They had many changes to uh, their protocols in terms of player safety and staff safety. They had to travel on two buses. They had to do their social distancing. Uh, players normally stayed with a roommate in hotels. They had to stay by themselves. They minimized dinner and interactions and meetings. Uh, for away matches along with their home training as well. So there was a lot of changes, a lot of stress for these USL players. A lot of USL players, I want to say a lot, but a few opted out for the season, obviously for concerns. Uh, the, the one that comes to mind is Chris Tierpak of Austin Bowles, yeah, formerly San Antonio. Yep. Uh, he decided to, to um, not, I want to say sit out the season, but he decided to opt out of the season because he uh, recently had a newborn. 
and some other uh, guys uh, in the league, of course, had that same concern, either newborns or family members that were sensitive or, yeah. or health issues and stuff like that. Perfectly fine. I mean, it's it's they had to do what they needed to do to protect themselves and their family. So there, there's nothing against that. Um, and then the restart happening. So USL decided to go into groups. San Antonio was in a group with the newly rebranded FC Tulsa. Yeah, really nice. The team. Austin Bold, Oklahoma Energy, and the Rio Grande Valley Toros FC. So before we dive into San Antonio FC itself, let's look at the group and how it was. When we looked at the group initially, what, what were your initial thoughts when you saw this group? Did you think it was a group of death or did you think this was something that San Antonio was easily going to breeze through? You know what? I'll be honest, man. It did not look like the group of death, but because of the players that we had, Lucho, Nacho Baloy, um, Colin Montgomery, um, Blake Smith, because of the strength of our roster, I knew we were going to dominate. Uh, I knew Rio Grande Valley had no chance of – the team just looked weak. Austin Bold, it was the same team from last year, basically. I knew that – we were going to be able to have the upper hand on that team, and which we did. I mean, we almost swept them away at home and until the last, last game, and we lost to them. Um, and then OKC was not doing good at all. Um, we knew that there was a lot of changes going on with them early on. And then the team that really scared me was Tulsa. I knew from day one, and I told you this, Miguel, I said Tulsa's been the, the one who's always been able to knock down San Antonio FC, no matter how great of a team they are, somehow Tulsa finds a way. And I had that in the back of my mind. I said, okay, within the group stage, no reason why we should not be number one in this stage. And we blew it. And they blew it. We didn't even end up number one. We dominated scoring goals. We, I'm sorry, we blew it when we went away against New Mexico. Yeah, we finished number one in the group. Just to just to clarify what Benji was saying, we did finish number one in Group D, um, but San Antonio was very well in the hunt for number one number overall. One overall, record I'm in sorry, the USL that's what I meant. And have home field advantage throughout the playoffs exactly. until pretty much the last week. And that's exactly what I was trying to get to. I mean, there's so much that I could. I was looking forward towards the overall number one, and we ended up number two behind Tampa Bay, and that was that was just that was heartbreaking for me. But in the group, we dominated. There was no reason. I mean, we dominated. And but the last couple games, let's be honest, man. The last three, four games were very concerning. We ended up playing New Mexico in the first round, and we know that happened. We can sit here all day and talk about that handball, but we're not. We lost. We had so many chances to put the ball in the back of the net, never happened. And then we went out to El Paso, out of the group. And what happened in El Paso? We got rocked. They dominated us the whole game. Yeah, it was very close to the last second, but they dominated us. El Paso dominated us and then what happened in Tulsa we lost to Tulsa on the road so to me group was great but it, it, we didn't finish strong as we started that was the most concerning part of the group that I think we were going to call it the group of death a straight up win it no but I knew it was going to be difficult San Antonio FC did an outstanding job points you know shots on goal Cardoni had a great you know Great season with Match Tainer in the background. You know, it was, we were doing great, but we blew it. Yeah, it's um, it was a first round exit for San Antonio FC, of course, again. against oh, against, no, no. against New Mexico United. It was our second playoff appearance uh, in the five year history of San Antonio FC. 
Um, our first time that we made it, we did get past Tulsa in the first round, and then we lost to OKC in the semifinals um, in year two. But uh, coming back to the 2020 season, San Antonio FC did dominate Group D. They finished with a record of three, uh, sorry, 10 wins, three draws, and three losses. They uh, only gave up 14 goals, so the defense was much improved uh, from previous seasons. They actually had flashes of that 2017 season with Sebastian Ibiaga and and that Billy crew. Forbes and uh, I'm talking about the Stripple. defense. I'm talking oh, about the, the defense. defense. Yeah, yeah, the defense of Cyprian you know. Hedrick and um, who else that we have there? Sebastian Ibiaga. Yeah, yeah, Cochran on the, as a left back. Yeah, and Cochran um, before retired Ironman. Yeah, and then Ben Newman on, as right back. Oh, so that was yeah, that, that was, was a great defense there. So there was there was similarities between this defense and that defense. The offense did its job. It scored 30 goals in 16 games. So you're looking at about a two two goals per match average. Um, they never really blew anybody out. That uh, I remember, I don't think we saw San Antonio no, score no, five no, or anything no. like that. Um, looking at the group, Group D, um, I, honestly, I thought it was going to be tougher than it was. Um, I think the biggest letdown for me was uh, OKC Energy. With the talent that they had with uh, with Omar Gordon on that team, with Cody Lorendi and, oh, and, yeah. and Cochran as keepers, um, with uh, Frankie Lopez... Uh, uh, as as well as an attacker, I thought they were going to do a lot more than just the one win and seven draws that they had, along with the eight losses. They finished dead last, actually, yeah. in the group. Dead last. Behind a very young RGV Toro team that's mostly academy kids All that academy are... academy kids out of that, Dynamo. Out of, out of the... Yeah, out of the Dynamo. Um, RGV finished with two wins, three, three draws, and nine losses, but they pretty much were in every single match. They drew El Paso on the restart. Or, I'm sorry, they didn't draw, but they lost in a 90th minute goal to El Paso. El Paso. They played them very tough and they played every team tough. They drew against San Antonio C at home uh, in, in our first game. Yes, they did. The yeah. week after they lost one zero to El Paso and then pretty much played every team tough. Um, even though they finished negative 11 on goal differential. I mean, you're looking at a lot of one loss, couple, two loss goal games, um, a very young team that if they stay together and it's unfortunate that their head coach got fired. Um, I thought he was a really good head coach um, that could have developed that team. If he had stayed there a couple more years, We'll see what, what RGV does. But uh, if that core group stays together, I think they could be dangerous in a few years. Of course, you'd have to add a few veterans. No, you got you um, have to. to you need to that, leadership. To, you need leadership. To that leadership. But they could be a dangerous team in a few years. Austin Bold, we knew where they were coming from. You know they were going to play tough. They finished third in the group with uh, behind FC Tulsa. And honestly, FC Tulsa was a little bit surprising. I knew they were rebuilding. You didn't uh, think they were going to be that good. But I, I didn't think they you. were going to be that good. I told you, um, man. But they really, I think they overachieved a little bit with what they had. I guess the 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 sum of their parts was, you know... Playing in a new stadium, new emblem. Well, they had switched... Yeah, they played in the same stadium in OK, uh, one well, OK they, Field, they, but they re, realigned re, the stadium. Realigned it all up. They rebranded everything. The fans, when they finally were able to go through... I mean, it was that game that I went to up there in Tulsa with San Antonio FC. It was a playoff atmosphere. Yeah. 50% capacity was as loud and as, as exciting as it was when we played New Mexico United at Toyota Field. Remember how loud and... That was how awesome. they, how how loud that got there in, at Toyota yeah. Field. That was a great experience, despite the loss. The fans were fantastic, Jeez. but the FC Tulsa fans and, and their supporter group, eighty three United, did a great job there. Putting they were pretty much the twelfth man there with San Antonio FC. They they played great. Them and Austin Bold actually canceled each other out. They played three times. They drew each other three times. There was no goal differential there, but they were able to squeeze out a couple more wins over FC Tulsa to take second in the group and actually get that second playoff spot. And of course, coming back, rounding up back to San Antonio FC, we finished on top of the group. Well, you know what? That basically sums up the whole, you know, our group stage. Now, what it was when it comes down to the 2020 season, again, everybody stayed in their groups, you know, and on, uh, we were, what was it? What was it? We were on the, 
on the Western, what is it? West Western conference, Western conference. But we were like the, the, the central conference, you know, and then you had uh, on the other side, you had Phoenix switchback Reno, Reno came out of nowhere. Reno came out of nowhere. They ended up, you know, they ended up looking like the favorites to go into the, to the national championship. And they were just knocked out by Phoenix. I honestly thought, you know, I didn't think Phoenix was going to get to the championship game. And I'm going to take a break um, from talking SAFC. Overall, we didn't even have a champion in USL. Tampa Bay and Phoenix split the championship Eastern-Western champion. Why? COVID. Coming back to San Antonio FC, to be honest with you, San Antonio FC should have been in the shoes that Phoenix was. They should have gotten to this championship. But they couldn't get past the first step. And their first even, step was beating New Mexico United. They couldn't They, they couldn't, couldn't do, that. do that at all. And th- that was very frustrating because it looked like a team that, I don't know, man. I was there on the pitch. I mean, I'm sorry, not on the pitch, but I was there in the stands. And it just, boy, they looked, it just did not look like they, I don't know. Yeah, I we'll, break, we'll break down the we'll break down the playoff match here in a minute. But uh, looking at the at the final end of the season, like you you mentioned before, San Antonio FC really did not look good no, rolling into the no, playoffs. No, they did not. Um, let's just look at the last four matches. So they finished with two wins and two two losses in the fat last four matches, but they mm-hmm. really didn't look good. They edged out Austin Bold. Uh, a match it was day three two. Match day thirteen was a three two to win in in San Antonio. Um, then they OKC Energy came in. Of the course, last place OKC Energy. Yeah, they they won two zero. Should have been more. I think they that was the one game where they could have scored more goals. But their keeper uh, Cochran did more. You know, he actually played an outstanding game to keep it at least within you know uh, shouting distance for OKC. And then of course we lost to FC Tulsa away match day fifteen, and then match day sixteen, the season finale, we lost to Austin. Uh, Bold FC up there in Elroy over there at Circuit of the America. So we were rolling into the playoffs on a two-game losing streak. So, of course, you and me, we voiced our concerns. Um, being optimistic as we were when we made our USL predictions, you know, obviously we were a little bit biased saying that San Antonio FC was going to go into the finals. Oh, man. But, uh, you know, we we were definitely concerned because you don't want to roll into the playoffs going on a two-game, any kind of losing streak or draw streak. You want to go in rolling hot. And New Mexico did roll in hot, and they proved it, and they won in a, in a tough Toyota field, which is very tough to play in. Usually, San Antonio FC comes out on top with when they play in the stands with too. fans in the stands at fifty percent capacity. A very loud and and crazy crazy bunch. Yeah, it was. You yeah. know, it was. Uh, it was. It was. I mean, it felt like the stadium was full. It almost felt like a sellout crowd just from the the void, the the sound and, and the loudness and the eagerness of people being back. It was great atmosphere. Unfortunately, San Antonio couldn't pull through. And that's where I give. Coach Alan Marchena, his B minus. It wasn't impressive. It was not impressive at all. I love Coach. I really do. I believe in his philosophy. I think he's steering us in the right direction. But you know what? To me, at the end of the season, it felt like the same old San Antonio FC from season one, where we get to where we get to a, a point where all of a sudden we just fall off the map. Yes, as we can't compare seasons. We can't compare teams. I would, have, I would have to disagree on you there on being the same old San Antonio football team. Yeah, we stumbled at the end, but there was consistency throughout. Now, of okay, course, we can't. We can, now we could play. Yeah. We could play. We could play. What if if the season had gone regular? How San Antonio FC could have finished? There's absolutely no way of knowing um, if they had played the Phoenixes and the, and Renos, the Renos out yeah. there, or you know Sacramento Republic. Sac- we didn't face any of these None. teams, so we have None. no idea how as uh, how this season would have ended. 
But, you know, San Antonio played the teams that were put in front of them. They won the majority of those games. Unfortunately, they stumbled at the end. Who knows why, what happened. Could have been uh, injuries. Could have been just maybe they were fatigued. Um, who knows? Um, maybe it was uh, coaching. Um, I mean, we did yeah. we did add Jordan uh, uh, Jordan uh, Perusa at the end. Oh, while, he and was while, crushing And while he was crushing it, there seemed to be a, a, a loss in team dynamic. Now, I'm not going to blame Jordan on that. But at the same time, we also lost Zach Hevero to injury. And Zach, Zach was uh, playing extremely well along with PC in midfield. And I think that kind of changed the dynamic, just that injury and then the addition of Jordan. Even though even though Jordan played well, he scored three goals in, in two or three matches at, at the end of the season. Um, it kind of seemed, it kind of seemed like that that well old machine that happened in the beginning of the season was kind of kind of thrown for a loop there. I 100% agree with you on that statement. It did that well oiled machine that started off. Everybody was so happy. We're undefeated. We're undefeated. We're undefeated. We're crushing people. We got these many goals. We're number one over on the USL. And then all of a sudden, the wheels start disinflating. Yeah, it's almost like if, if Zach, <laughs> to me, like Zach was kind of the keystone of, of this team. And where even though if you look at his stats of 2019 and you just see the numbers, they're not impressive. They're, you know, I, he didn't score any goals. I think he had one assist, but he his he led the team in passing accuracy. Yeah, no. I think he was the only person above 90%. Um, he His passes always had some sort of meaning to them. So what I mean by that is that either, now even though he didn't score the assist, his pass created chances to where either it led to an assist or it was the pass before the pass to the assist. You know, he was he was kind of the quarterback where he kind of started stuff. The guy is talented, and he's got a great vision. And it allowed PC to fall back and defend. Yes, and that's where PC was amazing. Which, you know, we're gonna get we're gonna get into the roster going into twenty twenty one here, and that's one of the players that I wish I could see come back. We don't know anything about PC yet, but Zach Havro, one hundred percent agree. He was the what we call the X factor right off the bench, and we didn't see much of him in the beginning, but then we started seeing him starting doing games and then just controlling the middle the way he does, and then it just did not go our way. It really did not. There was. It seemed like there was a lack of confidence, in my opinion, towards the end. It just felt like that. They didn't have the confidence to. Are we going to pull out of this rut? It felt like that on the pitch. Like when I was there, they look. They looked like they wanted it, but the confidence wasn't there as a team. I don't now, know. What, now the season had gone longer because I mean we're only technically it would have been midpoint of the season yeah. if we had played a regular season. I think this is a funk they would have pulled out of. Eventually, Hevero would have gotten healthy. Now, I know we're playing what-ifs, even though I said we weren't going to play yeah, what-ifs before. Yeah. But, um, you know, the team's mentality and the way that Coach Alan Marcino coaches um, or the team plays and Coach Alan Marcino, they would have eventually gotten out of this funk. Unfortunately, it just happened at the absolute wrong time. And you know what? I'm, I'm over here going off on it. And I don't, know, I don't know what, you know, I don't know how much this pandemic affected the players. I really don't know. But there was something going on. And I don't want to blame psychology on the mental, you know, psychology, psychological factor, because the pandemic has affected each and everybody in around the world, period. Yeah. You know, and I don't know how much that might have affected the players, but there's something, there was something odd, man. Straight up telling you, there was a, there was a feeling the team wanted it. They wanted to bring a, a championship. I remember, um, I remember just literally just reaching out and, 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 and yelling at one of the players one time, hey, what's your goal? And they literally, I'm not going to name him, but he he literally said to me, I want to bring the championship to San Antonio. I yelled it and I heard that. But there was this desire, this wishing, this wanting, like we want to do this for this team. But then there was something missing. 
it, the chemistry on the pitch was there. You know, the camaraderie, I could see that was there. But it seemed like the can we do this factor? Was it the pressure of of all the USL being the leadership? Did it get to them? I don't know. I will never know. Yeah, unless we, I mean, unless we go into their each and each and every single one player's heads, it, it's tough to tell. But I mean, it it, it still can't be a hundred percent excuse because every player in the USL is going through this. Exactly, each and every one of them. Um, but I mean, it's gonna. But I think it. I think I personally think it probably affected us course, a little bit of more. Of course, it. Because I mean, we just fell off the grid, dude. Yeah. And then, you know, I was very happy towards the end when they announced that we had uh, signed uh, Liam Doyle out of uh, Nashville. Memphis. I mean, I'm sorry, out of Memphis. Forgive me, out of Memphis. A stout of a, I mean, just a, a presence of a man. And we saw what he could do in one game, but he wasn't 100% for that game. That was his first yeah, game. He kind of he he got thrown in there. Like three, yeah. We, he had been with the team for like three weeks. And yeah, then he, he made got, his first appearance in the in the playoff match against New Mexico, yeah. that, which I think he played pretty well. Yeah, but he was, I mean, he's but a brand, new, brand new You're getting used to, used to that, that's a really tough time to get used to your and teammates. Then you, and then you throw Doyle in the starting position against, in the playoffs against New Mexico. You know, that was rough, but he played outstanding. And Doyle is one of the ones that we signed. Thank God. I want to see that guy play. We need Doyle. Especially after losing Mitch Tanner, oh, uh, which we're going to get to into into the 2021 roster. So now, so now that we've covered pretty much overall the 2020 season, let's go into the the players themselves. Yeah. So let's let's break it down by position. So we're gonna we're gonna go through the goalkeepers, the defenders, midfielders, and forwards. Who in your mind stood out? Who in your mind underperformed? So oh, okay. So I mean, there were players that may maybe have disappointed a little bit. You maybe you thought they could have done a little bit more than they did. Um. Or players that maybe have surprised you. Um, let's talk a little bit about the academy kids because there was a a trend towards San Antonio FC signing more Big academy time, kids. Man. So the breakdown of the roster for San Antonio FC was um, out of the players that we had, um, we had a few academy kids that were straight up academy contracts. It means they weren't getting paid. They were on yeah. academy contract playing at pro level. Um, we had four, five kids. From the academy, yeah, five kids from the we academy. Yeah, five academy, yeah, five academy kids, and then we had about six players on loan. That that's almost half the roster right there. Yeah, for for a team that, when you look at other clubs like the Louisville, a team that's been very successful since its inception yeah. six years ago, three USL championship appearances has won it twice, has made it to at least the Eastern Conference Final every single year in its six year existence. Then you look at Phoenix Rising. Yep. Uh, a team that's perennial, always on top. The the best in the West, straight up. Yep. And and what what West. are those the things that those two teams have in common is that they sign their players to multi year contracts. They don't have too many loans. They do they do bring their kids up from the academy level. But they don't give them all the playing time, like sixty to forty to sixty minutes. Well, we're gonna we're gonna go into that. And honestly, the the minutes that these academy kids played this year was not as much as you think. So we'll 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 go into that here in a minute. But let's let's start off with the keepers. So we're gonna break down the keepers. Let me know who you who you think if there were who did well, who who didn't do well, if if any of these keepers by position. So uh we started off with of course Dane Dane St. Clair. Oh man. The kid Champion. out of Maryland. Beast. Champion. Yeah, the kid out of Maryland, he was drafted by Minnesota United. The he was, why we were undefeated. He was the goal he was the goal, he was set to be the goalkeeper of the future for Minnesota United, but the future came really quick for Minnesota United. So San Antonio FC uh got him on loan, started the five first first five games. Played outstanding. Amazing. Then you know, I guess Minnesota United saw what he was doing down yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Qu- 
quickly called him back up. And he was started. For the restart of the, of the Major League Soccer season. And, I mean, that only led them to what? The Eastern Conference or the Western Conference final in, yeah, in Major went, League Soccer? I mean, yeah, that's yeah. All that, that's, I mean, that's all that happened, right? I mean, Dane Sinclair didn't do Basically nothing except go to the Western Except Conference. go for the Western Conference final. In MLS. In MLS. Almost beat Seattle Sounders know, in, in Seattle. Team, yeah. Where Seattle Sounders had to pull one out of their butt, basically, yeah, to, was, in the 90th plus minute to, to beat Dane St. Clair on, on an outstanding header um, for them to go to the MLS Cup final. Um, and then we had, uh, of course, uh, Matt Cardoni picked oh. up picked it up after St. Clair left. And I think he had his, we'll let you say uh, what your thoughts are, but I think he had his best season ever. And then, of course, Carlos Mercado, um, who didn't get much playing time, but he's a kid that may have potential. So your thoughts on the goalkeepers? Obviously, I mean, I'm I'm excited that I got to see St. Clair play for San Antonio FC. That was basically, I had not seen something like that in a long time. Now, Matt Cardoni came in. St. Clair's going to speak for himself. Outstanding goalkeeper. Kept us undefeated every time we were here. Nobody could get a score, get a score on us. And the couple times it did score on St. Clair, defensive errors. You know, it was just not really, there's nothing, anything that that guy could do. Um, especially when it came down to the RGV, that first shot from whatever his name was from RGV that just shot that cannon, nothing. But he led us to an undefeated season while he was here with seven games. He was, he played them all, and then he bounced, got taken back, and I was upset. And I said, oh, man, Matt Cardoni, he's got some big shoes to fill. You know, this kid's outstanding. You know, how is he going to do? I do agree with you within our conference, within our little bubble that we were in the best season Matt Cardoni's ever had but then again he didn't play the Renos he didn't play the Phoenixes he didn't play the Sac Republic yeah, and of course now we're going to play in what if but you, you have to you have to play the but, teams but, and, 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 and I'm play the season the team and, and he did great he did great I mean he did outstanding he needed what he, he, he I was impressed that was not the same Matt Cardoni that I remember seeing in years past that was the best Matt Cardoni I had ever seen period the guy was a beast. It was a presence. It seemed like he was communicating a lot more. I honestly think he might have learned a little bit more, a little something from St. Clair. Probably took it in and said, oh, crap, I got to start doing these modifications. And you saw him leading from the back. And that began, you know, trickling forward into the defense, which we're going to get here in a little bit. And Mercado, it's just a matter of time before the kids start to get some some playing time. I'm hoping in a, in a, in an actual season we'll get to see a lot more of Carlos. But this kid is Trinity kid, you know. He's, UIW. I'm, I'm sorry, UIW kid from and, Laredo. Yeah, from Laredo. He's you know, and he's 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 an outstanding. Laredo. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, and he's an outstanding. He's an outstanding keeper. Outstanding, so much potential. You got to see this guy. You got to see him at practice. Yeah, he's, he's got. Even, yeah, he's, he's a, a tall. He's a beast. tall guy. He reminds me of those. You know what he reminds me of? A very tall Jorge Campos. Yeah, he really, really does. He oh, does. Bernal from yeah. Pumas. When you when you see when you see him in practice, or or well, I mean, obviously the fans on the daily basis won't really get to see too much of of these guys in practice. But when you see photos that they release um, of Carlos Mercado there in practice or getting ready he's, for the match, he's he's, he's, he's crushing it. He's man. crushing it. I mean, he's it's, he's focused. You can see the laser look on his eyes. Like this man is a professional, ready ready to take the next and level I, and. What, Juan Juan La Madrid, I think, is doing an outstanding job of keep uh, of, of yeah the keeper his goalkeepers. Coach, yeah. The keeper coach doing an outstanding job, and I think this kid will develop nicely. He actually got a little bit of experience also with Corpus Christi he did, down yeah. in the USL two, and was a teammate of Ollie Wright, who we'll get into here in a minute. Um, but uh, 
But uh, yeah, he's he's gonna be the uh, I I think a, a pretty if not a starter one day he'll be a pretty reliable backup. So let's go into the defenders now. Uh, the defenders that we had uh, was of course your your fave. Nah, Match Tainer. Mitch Tainer. Mitch Tainer. You call him the Tainanator. The, the Tainanator. The, the Terminator because he just we would stop him. everything. I hated him um, in Sacramento, and I hate him again. But when he was at San Antonio, Mitch, if you're listening to this, I hate you for leaving to Sacramento. But you know what? The dude was a beast in the back. He was a beast up. in the back, and he was a thorn in our side when he played with Sacramento, and he probably will be a thorn oh, in our side God, again. I don't want to think about it. When Stop. we face him in 2021. Stop. Uh, we also had uh, Connor Maloney, who came in from Columbus Crew, uh, a kid who got drafted who was – uh, highly touted by the U.S. men's national coach Greg Berhalter when he was head coach of Columbus Crew. Fortunately, a couple injuries and and a couple stops later, he comes down here to San Antonio FC. Um, has I believe a great season, amazing season with Connor. Are you kidding yeah. me? The speed on that guy. Yeah. He reminds me of a Cochran that we lost a long time ago, and that's what Connor Maloney provided. He was a he was a hard charger. Uh, and then we had excuse me, we had Josh Yarrow. Of course, he returned from the 2019 season, the Philadelphia Union product. Uh, beast. He, he was a beast. He was uh, another beast. Played Minutes. very well. I mean, just stopping everything he could. We can sit here and talk about some, quote, mistakes and an own goal. I think he had – did he have an own goal this year? No, not this year. Not, not this year. I'm sorry. But we can sit here and talk about all those things. At the end of the day, Yarrow was a factor in the backfield. Yeah. And then uh, coming off the bench, we had Kai Green. Uh, Kai, had, we didn't he, see he, much of Kai, but he had some valuable minutes. But he, he had some in. important valuable minutes, and I don't want to lose Kai Green. Yeah, if he does come back, it'll be his third season with us. And then we, even though they were technically defenders, they were more like wingers. We had Blake Smith, well, Connor Maloney and Blake Smith um, playing more on the wings, and of course, we can't forget the FC Dallas Lone Loney, yeah, who joins Dane St. Clair up there in Minnesota. Minnesota United, yeah. uh, uh, Calum uh, Montgomery. You know, so your thoughts on the defenders? Uh, who 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 out who performed well and who maybe didn't? They all performed great. Are you kidding me? I got nothing negative to say about the defense. I really don't. If you want me to find a a uh, a bad a bad apple amongst these guys, there aren't any. I'm gonna straight up tell you the one that I kind of if I because of the minutes he didn't play and I wanted to see more of him, I would have to say like underperformance would be Kai Green because he didn't perform well. He wasn't getting the minutes that he needed. But I mean, when you, when you have Mitch Tainer, you have Yarrow, you have um, uh, hate um, Connor Maloney up there, and then you know it's hard for me to even pick somebody out. I can't, I really can't. And then they were reinforced by Liam Doyle, yeah. defender, which helped them out big time. Yeah, and so then, and I then think also the defense, to Kai's, Kai's defense, pun intended, to Kai's, hey. to Kai's defense, um, Alan Marcina decided to play with a three back system did, for the majority did, of the year. Did. So I, I I don't have I mean I don't have any negative marks at all for our defense. Our defense was the best we've had in a long, long, long time, and I missed it because defense wins championships. It doesn't matter what sport you play. Defensively, if you can defensively hold the game, you're gonna hold the key to a victory. So there's Benji's thoughts on the defense. Overall, they did pretty well. Now let's move on to the midfielders. Of course, this was a team that was heavy, heavy oh, on the man. roster of okay. midfielders. Um, we, we'll just go through the notables um, out of the entire roster that played. Of course, we had PC. Um, of course, Christian Parano, who is, um, unfortunately, he has uh, decided to move on from San Antonio FC. We'll get into that later. Um, and then... Of course, our other notable after that was uh, Hayden Partain. 
But it was really the and then Zach and Zach Hevero. So it's really out of the those midfielders, the the most notable ones that got the most minutes was Zach Hevero, um, Hayden Partain, Hayden Partain, PC, and then uh, and of course Christian Parano. So your thoughts on the midfield? Oh man, um, the midfield. I mean PC Partain, Havro. That was it for me, dude. That was it for me. And we talked about Havro a little bit and how he. You know, after that injury, that PC Partain Havro connection, we lost because a lot of the goals came from those three. Yeah. The ball movement came from those three. You know, the midfield did great; they did outstanding. I mean, with PC being allowed to actually fall back and kind of play like that center defensive mid, and then being able to move a little, a little bit forward, it looked like where PC was doing his natural. He was, he was just playing his natural position. Hayden Partain did an amazing – he even scored goals, man. Hayden Partain was awesome. You kidding me? That was, The guy was crushing it. I'm hoping he comes back. I really do. Zach Havro, again, the youngster, the New England Revolution homegrown product here in San Antonio. I hope he gets healthy and comes back. I want those three because that was good. Now imagine a defense where we have Doyle, we have Kai, we have Liam. Yeah, I'm Hunter, sorry. Yeah, Hunter. And we, and we, yeah, and yeah, we have Hunter. Hunter. Yeah. And we have Hunter Gorski. And then we, we reinforce it again with Liam. I'm sorry, with uh, Havro, Partain, and PC. Now we're looking like we're going to go places 2021. Yeah. And then we, of course, we had, even though they were technically defenders, we did mention them on the wings. They were playing more of a midfield position yeah. was Blake Smith on the, on the left-hand yes. side. And then Connor Mulwinney on the right, and they were able to create some chances that actually gave it was beautiful the ability for PC to move back and kind of play yeah. that center defensive mid, even though maybe maybe you want to call it a false center defensive a false mid. One. Yeah, I guess. Um, if there is even such a thing, if not, we just invented that position. <laughs> but, uh, you know, <laughs> hey, and then, if there's a false nine, we can have a false yeah, center defensive yeah, for mid. So, um, and then, but that also gave Zachary Hever. I know we've talked about him a lot, but he he was able to kind of quarterback the team and create chances or the chances before the, the chances. Good man, the guy is really good. I can't. I know you probably a listener. You're probably like, you guys are boosting this Zach. The guy is really good. He did great for the yeah. team. Yeah, he has a great head on his shoulders. Like he's really smart about football and know knows where to pass. He never. When, when I would see Zach play, he never looked like he was um, out of his element. He no, never looked he stressed. Focused. He in, never. He was in the zone the whole time. Yeah, he never looked hurried or rushed. No, no. So, um, I mean, he's, he's got he's got a great future ahead, if not maybe even possibly a coaching future, you know, way down the road, hopefully. But uh, let's move on to the forwards. So, uh, the forwards, majority of them were on loan. Yeah. They were great for what they did. Unfortunately, they majority of them, if not all of them, won't be back. The only one coming back right now that we know for sure is Jose Gallegos. Um, but we had Luis Solinac, who was mm. also, by the way, Lucho. the fan choice MVP. Yes, Lucho. chosen by you. That we ran, we ran a voting, uh, we ran a, a voting contest uh, for about a, a few weeks, and, and he then, was a fan favorite. And Lucho he was Solignac. a fan. Yep. Yeah. So we are in the works of getting him the trophy. Uh, yes, we've been we in contact with Lucho, <laughs> and we've been in contact with the trophy company. Um, but we are working on getting him that because that was by you, the fan. So yep. he definitely needs to get that trophy uh, here to him. Um, then we had Dorenzo. Uh, Gonzalo, Gonzo. and then uh, of course Bailoni and Jordan Perusa. The one coming back for sure is Joe Gallego. So let's talk about uh, these guys, um, how they did. Outstanding, man. Each one of them scored. All of them scored, man. Joe Gallegos, uh, I think Joe Gallegos was the beneficiary of having such a great forward. 
Gonzalo uh, Durando, when he when he would walk in, he would when he would step in, things happened. When Lucho Solignac was in there with the captain armband, things happened. And when obviously when Nacho Baloy stepped in, goals were scored. I mean, but then Joe Gallegos was a beneficiary of, of of a lot of assists from these guys. They had confidence in Joe Gallegos. So I mean, they all did great. I don't know how Joe's going to do this year because that leadership is gone. They're all gone. They're all on loan. None of them are coming back. This is going to be Joe Gallegos' true test of a season. Whatever he learned over the last two years as a professional are going to have to get applied. He can't be the kid anymore. He's 20 years old. Now he's going to have to put all that application that he learned from Solignac, from Nacho Baloy, from Gonzalo de Rental, all three top-notch scorers. And that's not even including the wonder kid, the wonder boy in Parrano. But it was interesting to watch them all. The forwards, again, when it comes down to San Antonio FC and a team, we were freaking solid. Freaking solid. No reason why this team should not even... There's no reason why this team should have been knocked out in the first round of the freaking playoffs. I don't care if it's a COVID year, but that team is a championship-built team. That's why I gave Merchena a B-. minus. I would love to have seen us going in. If we could have gone into the Western Conference Championship, freaking A-plus for Marcina. Because he gave us a team from what we've been talking about. Look at the minutes. Look at the stops. Look at what Cardoni did between the posts. Look how many goals our forwards scored. They were dominating everybody. But that's that's now not here nor there. We didn't get past the first round. We got knocked out by New Mexico. Our forwards couldn't get the ball in the back of the net. We can sit here all day saying that Doyle's goal was a goal, that the other goal from New Mexico was a handball. We could sit here all day, but it didn't happen. We had a championship caliber freaking team. All right, so let's take a quick break before we go on and move on to what's going to happen in 2021. So I just want to take this quick break just to say if this is your first time listening or if you haven't had the chance to, make sure to go to our website, soysaf.com. We got a lot of great articles there, including our next topic that we're going to talk about, which is the 2021 roster moves and what's what's planning ahead. We also have a lot of great stories coming up on high school and university player profiles as well. And then if you haven't done it as well, please, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure to smash the like buttons on our videos when you do watch them. If you enjoy those videos, don't forget to subscribe to YouTube. We have a lot of great content on there as well, including an away trip that I did to FC Tulsa this year, as long as some other great content covering college and high school as well. So let's get on to the final topic before we break. We have about about five minutes left in this show, or we're trying to break it down to five minutes left in the show. We don't want to take too much of your time but if you've made it this far in our pilot episode i do want to say thank you hopefully we've kept you interested in what we have said so far so let's go down to the 2021 season benji these are the people that we know who are officially gone and these are some painful losses because these are some player favorites some of them spent one season with us one spent a few seasons with us uh we lost christian parano uh the 2019 usl youth player of the year Blake Smith announced his retirement. He got to finish his professional career at home. The Bernie uh, native got to finish his career here at home in San Antonio in front of his friends and family. 
which uh, I think was a perfect way. And unfortunately, it, it didn't end with him lifting the USL Cup, but I think it was still a perfect ending nonetheless to finish a professional career. And also Mitch Tainer, who signed back with Sac Republic. Now, who's coming back that we absolutely know for sure? Carlos Mercado. And in one day, uh, SAFC announced four player signings, which was Carlos Mercado, the backup goalkeeper from UIW. Leo Torres, the academy product, along with Jose Gallegos, uh, who is in now in season three, his second year as a full professional. And then Liam Doyle coming in from Memphis 901 FC, played one match with us in the New, in the New Mexico United playoff match. And then rumored to come back. Oh, I'm sorry, before we go to that, and then the new player signings as well this week announced was San Antonio, or I'm sorry, St. Mary's University product, the, the London native. Yes. Corpus Christi FC2 standout all-star from USL2, Ollie Wright. And then we also signed a kid, Cam Lindy, who has played at the U.S. national team yeah, level. 23-year-old kid, man. He, he played at the U23. He is on the roster for the 2020 Tokyo, Tokyo Olympic qualifiers, has played and has been successful at the U17, U18, U20 level, and now he's at the U23 level, has played two matches at the U23, was coming from Indy 11, was highly touted with the Chicago Fire, uh, has put, spent a little bit of time with Toronto FC2, so those are our official signings. And then rumored to come back is Matt Cardoni, um, maybe uh, Nacho Bailon. He hasn't said anything, so we don't um, know. We I expect can't... Zachary Hevero to come back. I think that's almost a for sure. I would place money on that, that Zach will come back. Um, PC, I would place some money that he would come back. Um, Hayden, um, Hunter, Josh, and we might see Connor Maloney back. And then I, I think... Even Ethan Bryant has a good chance of coming back to San Antonio FC. So your thoughts on everything I've just said. I know it was a lot to take in for the 2021 season, but really quick before we end this show, our first pilot podcast for the Spur and Stripes. Uh, what are your thoughts, Benji? I'm just going to sit with what we got. I'm not going to go with who's going to come back, who might not, who's not going to go. I'm going to go with what we got. All right. So we got the two Academy boys, Joe, Joe Gallegos and Leo that's fine. Cool. Let's let's give the academy kids a chance to grow. All right. The biggest thing is that we got um, we got this young kid out of out of Indy Eleven, and I'm happy about that because we need that midfield. Now that says a lot to me. If if we're bringing in this guy from from the middle, we're gonna lose somebody else in the middle. Either Zach, either PC, somebody. I think he's just a replacement or a replacement for Parano. I think he's he's kind of a similar kid. I mean, he has U.S. national team level uh talent he is and on he's the, got that you he's, he's got the, that american styles and he's a fringe and he's a fringe outside player to make the first team squad for the 2022 2026 time frame olympics he may not be i mean with as, as stout as the u.s men's national team roster is looking right now makes him a fringe player on the outside looking in to make the first squad now liam doyle was again i'm all about the defense i'm always defensive minded liam doyle was key key, key, key to bring back for 2021. We need this type of leadership. We need that type of, of maturity in the backfield. And Liam Doyle is going to provide that. And I honestly think that now that he's um, with our club and he's got now, you know, time in San Antonio and he's been practicing, we're going to start seeing some major, major changes in the back, some good improvements. Uh, we, we lost Mitch, but we have Liam Doyle, and that's that says a lot. The guy is, I mean, he's Scottish. He's a stature of a man. If you've never seen Liam Doyle, look him up. 
He's a big man, and I'm happy about it. He is it. a big man. He is the man from so, the Isle of Man. So, yes, the man from the Isle of Man. So I'm excited for our new signings. I really am. For our hopefuls, I want, like I told you, I want Penetier. Uh, uh, I want PC back. I want Gorski back. I want Yarrow back. I want these guys to come back. I really do. Because I think with these uh, individual players coming back and are open to contracts, we got a team. We got another championship caliber team. And, you know, we have a lot of players that we lost on loan, which is fine for me because there's a, tons of players out there with quality that are dying to play for San Antonio FC. Because I'm telling you, we've been at the, at, at the you know, at right at the edge of pure greatness. And for some reason, we just cannot get past the hump. 2021, if we continue this, this, this trajectory, I honestly believe 2021 could be a full season of success with the traveling. You know, players or teams are traveling now. Teams, you know, are meeting a neutral ground to go travel. You know, um, why not? And I think with what we have right now with these signings, I'm kind of, I'm okay. I mean, I'm not about... I'm like with everybody else. Why are we signing all these academies? I, I get it. We're 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 an academy uh, or a team of the future, the best one of the best academies in the country, as per U.S. Soccer. I get it. I understand that. But right now, we got a fan base that is just exhausted of mediocrity, and that's what it feels like to the fans. They don't, you know, we can get in there all day all day and analyze and say, you know, this is what's really going on. We can look at this. At the end of the day, will the fans come and sit in the stands? Or do the fans have the confidence to say, oh, I'm going to go watch a winning team? No, I think San Antonio FC has got a long way. I think they're winning as a team, but they're not doing too good to convince the fans that 2021 is going to be an outstanding year. I All said right. what I said. So there, there you have it. That concludes our first episode, our pilot episode for The Spur and Stripes. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for making it all the way to the end. Hopefully we kept you interested and we came up with some refreshing and new topics to join you. I believe we are the only SAFC podcast right now that is fully dedicated to SAFC. Of course, we will bring you other podcasts and shows and player featurettes uh, for college and universities as well. But we'll be bringing those online throughout the year as we make our new changes in our new chapter for Soy San Antonio football coming into 2021. And with that said, this is your co-host for the Spur and Stripes, Miguel Padilla, along for Benji Mendoza. Thank you again for joining us. We will be bringing to you again another episode next week and every week thereafter for the 2021 season. And we will always bring you breaking news on our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Follow us on SoySap.com. And then don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, SoySap TV. Bye.